This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Startup Clinic. Let's meet our guest then. Um, we had a bit of an introduction there, but let's give him his full title. Fadi Hindi is senior partner of Digit AI and founder of Al Goffi. So, Fadi, first of all, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Now, you were chuckling away there listening to George because he is probably the kind of person that you're up against all the time. <laughs> no, actually, I have a, I mean, I do tend to agree with a lot of the things that George was talking about with respect to. Um, when is when is it enough that we're doing this automation and digitization and you're letting the computer take over your life? And when does it become too much that the washing machine knows that the fridge is running low on milk and then the pantry knows that the, <laughs> I don't know what your aerial is almost out of stock. I mean, it's just, it, there, there's definitely a point where it, it does tend to get a bit much. So I think that um, from from my side and like from my, my view, it's like, it's always about the utility of, um, the different, uh, let's say, use case or problems that you're trying to solve. And we have to make sure that we right fit the technology. Um, where things get problematic is when we try to apply technology to everything, just for the sake of saying, oh, I'm digital and I'm automated. And there are things that are better still done uh, manually than digitally. And I'm totally for that. Um, but it's just about a matter of identifying uh, that balance uh, when, you're, when you're looking at automating your business or introducing uh, Internet of Things or artificial intelligence. There mm. has to be some brain work and intelligence and analysis that you actually apply before you just say, be blindly kind of dive in. So I, will, I do support your point. For example, we could never, or maybe we could, I don't know if Adi can enlighten us on this, maybe we can never automate this radio show. Perhaps have robots uh, run the radio show, right? Yeah I, yeah, I think the jury's out on that. Sorry, Natalie. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's possible. Um, <laughs> well, that suits you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Convenient for me. Yeah. It, I don't think it is possible. I think what's interesting is maybe this collaboration of the three of us in the same room wouldn't be something that's always the same thing. It might be that we're all in that's different correct. places having that conversation. But I think it's very difficult to replace you. a human. <laughs> For now. <laughs> it's impossible, I would say, Natalie. Impossible. Irreplaceable, George. Imitated but never duplicated. Thank you so much. Now, Fadi, I want to go back a little bit. You have over 30 years of experience. Um, you've worked for governments, global brands. You've had many C-suite roles as well. Um, and one of the things that, that um, stuck out to me is that you uh, co-authored a, a, a blockchain strategy for Correct. us in the region. And I guess when you say bl- blockchain, people still here are sometimes terrified. Um, so can you explain to us a little bit about what you do because you're a senior partner of Digit AI and you're a founder of AlGoFi. So talk us through what those roles do and how sure. things like blockchain AI are all sort of wrapped up in that bundle of what you do. Sure. So um, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, uh, in August to actually uh, start up my own business, which is uh, AlGoFi.ai. Uh, it's going to be an artificial intelligence um, uh, platform uh, for insurance solutions from A to Z, from buying and servicing insurance. And we're kind of in full swing right now. Uh, so that's that's my role at algify.ai. We're expecting to actually see uh, one of our solutions and products out in the market with, our, with one of our key partners at the end of the first quarter uh, of, of 2020. Um, now, with respect to my role as a senior partner at Digit AI, that's my other business, and it's something that I've been on for a couple of years. And within that practice, uh, my focus uh, is to help uh, companies uh, understand what they should do with digital transformation, what they should do, what they should and should not do with artificial intelligence or Internet of Things. A lot of the things that we were talking about, the confusion um, that, that the C-suite goes through when these labels and these uh, brands and 
um, these methods and technologies just get slapped all over the, um, the, the, the strategies, and you're not really sure how you should proceed. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true that a lot of people know that they need to apply artificial intelligence, but they don't know where it is. And uh, you get a lot of vendors, not you know, bless their, their hearts, not that there's anything wrong with it, but a lot of uh, software providers and vendors will just come in and say, here, take this and you know, plug it in and we can help you automate for sure. But I mean, is it the right thing for the, for the business or not? You know, and, and we're, living it, we're living it firsthand. I'm living it firsthand anyway. Something as simple or as simple as complicated or something that most, most companies need is a CRM system, right? And there are, there's a plethora of CRM systems out mm. there that you can use, right? From, from the smallest CRM system to the most sophisticated one. And any C-suite guy will the first thing he'll do is say he'll he'll talk to his friends or he'll talk to his colleagues or equivalents and other companies say well what's your crm system what's the best well you know what's the best crm system in your opinion mm. the reality of things the reality of the matter is there is no best crm system it's however way you integrate that crm system into your company that makes it a good crm or not we have uh, a great branded crm which i'll, I'll tell you uh, offline what it is um Sometimes I find it too stiff for 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 uh, for, for sure. what we need to do, and Definitely. sometimes I find it. Listen, this is way more than what we actually need here, right? Mm. So it's it's it it. I agree totally with Fadi. It's very. It's not about getting technology in. It's about getting the right technology in to help you. If you're getting the technology in and it's not helping you, you're just you're just spending money for nothing. That's yeah, absolutely so you're probably better off. You're probably better off keep keep on doing it manually or whichever way you're doing it. You need to get the technology in to save you money and to save you time and to make you more efficient. And if you don't have that in mind while you're doing it, then you're definitely going to do the wrong thing. And that I completely agree with you. Phil. Well, thank you, George. I think one of the um, that's an amazing perspective because mm -hmm. probably one of the or amongst the most successful implementations that I've had in my career over the past 30 years, because I was in consulting in the U.S. for, th for 15 years. Uh, with Accenture and Clarkson yeah. and so on and so forth. And we've been through so many different industries. But the it, it's funny when you actually sit back and reflect on the most successful implementations did not actually start with technology. Mm. We looked at the processes that these companies were applying and we actually did it manually first. So we looked at how can we optimize the process and we actually ran it manually mm. with paperwork, with people, with sneaker net, people running around with the papers from one person to the next until we actually found the most optimized workflow, then we automated, those were the most successful projects. Yeah. But when you actually come in and you just slap in SAP and then it's, you just tell everybody, okay, you're just gonna have to change the way that you work just for the sake of it. So the, counterproductive. Not only that, the yeah. resistance, man, the, just yeah. the, the, the sheer resistance that you will get back from people uh, is phenomenal. And, uh, and one of my favorite sayings is that, uh, and I know I got this from you know, Tom Peters and a lot of these books, business books that you read, where you say that, that you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If people are not on board, forget it. Strategy doesn't matter. Mission, vision, values, none of that matter. If people are not on board with what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Brings us nicely to our conversation about the Amazon culture and the climate change, George. But what can small businesses hear, someone who's perhaps listening and thinking, how can I use technology to benefit my company? What can I do to, you know, work for me rather than against me, I suppose? Okay. Um, I think I'll start by saying um, one one book that I could uh, would like to recommend to the, to the listeners if they haven't read it. So uh, if they haven't read it or heard about it, which is called Exponential Technologies. 
it's by uh, exponential organizations. It's by um, Salim Ismail, who is one of the thought leaders um, in the space of uh, technological advancement, so part of the Singularity University um, in California, where they look at all the emerging technologies and the impact that these technologies are going to have on, on our lives. And um, obviously, being a, a, a senior partner looking after digital transformation and AI and building a company around AI, of course, I'm immersed in all of this, and I can see the the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's what's going on. But the one thing that I can tell your listeners, and if you guys would just kind of focus <laughs> focus with me on this one, um, life is going to change substantially in the coming five years. Um, what's going to happen in the coming five years is going to be so much more. Uh, than what happened in the past 15 or 20 years. The acceleration of technology and what we're seeing, the wave that, you know, that's going to be coming and crashing down, especially with these exponential technologies that I was just referring to a minute ago, is that there's so many technologies that are on that breaking point of the knee of the curve, of the exponent curve. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen, the minute they clear that curve, they just take off and you can literally cannot control them. So what are, what are some of these examples? Artificial intelligence, 3D printing, solar panels, and so many different things. They say, um, I used to work for DIWA, and DIWA is one of the most amazing organizations that I've worked for um, in, in the region. And, and DIWA is working very heavily on solar panels. Right mm-hmm. now, the efficiency, the best, most efficient solar panel is about 24%. So a lot gets lost in the heat the dissipation when the rays you know, hit the solar panel, et cetera. Nonetheless, there's enough um, solar energy, or let's say the sun rays that are hitting the planet on a daily basis is enough to power the entire world three times over every day. It's just that we don't know how to harness it. So mm. I'll go back to the point of saying when the solar panels actually reach the point of 80% and 90% efficiency, all of a sudden we have abundance of power mm. that is not currently the case today. And then take that and apply it to 3D printing, apply it to, a, uh, to artificial intelligence and all of these different things. I believe there's going to be an amazing change in the coming five years. So back to your point, why am I, you know, why did I go off on this, uh, on this tangent is that small um, SMEs, small and medium enterprises really have a, a, an unfair advantage these days because of the available technologies right at their fingertips, because everything is available. A lot of technologies are available on the cloud. You can rent them by the hour, by the by the day, by the week, you don't have to go invest heavily mm. um, in these technologies and massive implementations anymore. You can actually have an AI uh, solution. Um, you know, I have some opinions on that, obviously, but I mean, you can have some kind of an AI solution up and running literally in three or four hours with a credit card and an internet connection for a small and medium enterprise. Yeah. And, I'm, and it's actually going to be an effective solution. I'm not talking about something that's like useless. It's actually something that they can... Um, convert into uh, revenues and uh, potential marketing, uh, messaging and targeting. It's not about the big spend, like you said, there are things that can be done. Um, Where's a good place for someone to go to advice for this then? I guess if if it was me or if it was George and we just set up a company, I wouldn't know where to look for help. I know you've recommended the book, but are there agencies or are are there any hubs that we could go to for advice um, to, to help us find out what some of those cost effective solutions could be? Um, I think that it's always um, for you know, my advice would be to uh, hire a, a, a good, solid, um, uh, technical, like capably technical person that knows a lot of these details. Uh, but I would highly recommend that you hire someone uh, with, with you know, high emotional intelligence um, and good business acumen, because what I believe um, is happening is that the 
pure technicians are going to be a dying breed over time. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen is there's going to be a bit of kind of a, um, I guess, a fusion of a continue, continuing fusion between business and technology. And uh, in the coming 10 to 15 years, the new um, chief operating officers and chief executive officers and chief finance officers are actually going to be digital natives. They're not going to be people that need the IT person to tell them how the technology operates. That's like in how many years you're talking? I know, I, I, I think it's within the next 10, 10 years. Okay, so I'm safe. I'm safe for now. <laughs> dinosaur, dinosaur George over here is all right for a little while longer. George, we need to go have a cup of coffee, man. Uh, <laughs> man you should come to our office and we'll have a chat or two. Sounds good. Give me, give me a crash course on this stuff. And one of the things that you're quite passionate about is setting goals. Um, and I guess, you know, it's this time of year, lots of people are looking towards maybe making resolutions. We talked a lot on the show last weekend about making resolutions for your company, for your business, for your personal development. Um, I guess... If you're interested in goal setting, is now a good time to be doing it? Or are you of the mindset that any time is right to be looking when it comes to your business? You've gone from working for other people to setting up multiple companies. So you're quite you're in a strong position to answer this. I, I can tell you one thing. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, um, so it definitely takes guts and it's a, it's a risk. And you really have to have the, the right passion and drive and believe in what you're doing. Uh, if you're doing it just to um, say that I'm going to try to find a different way to generate income, but you're not actually committed to what you're doing, it's not really going to, in my opinion, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be an uphill battle. But to answer your question, I think goal setting is very important. Um, one of the things that I've learned over the past uh, two or three years, and I, and I keep relearning this lesson, is about don't set very high lofty goals that are so difficult to achieve that you actually are never going to get off the couch to actually do them. And uh, again, I'll attribute to uh, you know one of my one of my heroes, uh, Tom Peters and Gary Hamill, and all these business gurus that talk about um, their experience with seeing so many people that have set up and succeeded with businesses, even like Apple and Google and Amazon, all of these. The they really ha- hammer on the importance of experimentation, and I've taken this really to the next level over the past couple of years. Mm. Meaning that set goals and start something, and and it's funny because in the book sometimes uh, Tom Peters talks about go and break something, and it's like that's so it's such an oxymoron. Tell us a bit about Tom Peters. Who's Tom Peters? So you've mentioned him a few times now. Yeah, so so Tom Peters is one of my favorite authors. He's written a lot of books. He's very well known for. Um, a book, I believe, called In Search of Excellence, um, I believe, which was published in the 80s. Um, he was with McKinsey back in the early 70s, very, very capable, um, what, they, what they label as a business guru. So he's been around the block. Um, he's a, a, I think he's probably in his 70s now. And he's written a lot of books on innovation, um, on uh, obviously, you know, transformation, um, on um, just how do you how do you empower and build an organization that's really capable? Um, and he's got some amazing books. Uh, another one of my favorite books is uh, The Little Big Things. He talks about sixty or eighty of his tips on how you can build a high performing team and impressive culture, and how can you become better as a leader. Mm. Um, so, so Tom Peters talks about the importance of experimentation, which was what I was referring to, and it's. No matter how many times I actually try this, so I set some goals and we take goal one and then we go after it and we try something and we break something or we fail, it always comes back and I realize that the importance of experimentation is that when you get off the couch and actually do something, you figure out whether your assumptions are actually correct or not about step one before you plan up to step 100, which is typically what 
the human tendency is, is to yeah. actually see the whole thing through. But when you realize that on step one, you actually hit a problem or on step five, you've hit a problem, you've wasted your effort, you know, uh, defining the other 95, you know, 95 steps. Yeah. So this is the real importance of experimentation. But I, I just want to balance this because of the economy and the way things are. I just want to balance things out. It's like we have to, you also have to be, if you're currently in a job, um, you know, I'd highly encourage making sure that you're making the right moves. Um, don't take, you know, massive risks right now. You have to make sure that um, you know what you're getting into if you're starting a business. Uh, make sure that you've got a good, got a good business case and you've got good investors and so on and so forth before you actually take the plunge. Okay, so you kind of touched on that a little bit. So doing well for yourself, setting goals. Um, when it comes to being happy in your work, though, and chasing that dream of making money, we hear time and time again on the show, when someone says to you, George, I want to come and set up a company because I want to make money, nine times out of ten, that business probably isn't going to succeed. It's kind of you not, want people not, to... Not nine times out of ten. I'll tell you that the average age of a business of a virtual zone client is 3.8 years. So uh, on average, a company will stay open 3.8 years. The, the, our studies show that the longer a company is open, the more there's a chance that they'll renew their license. So uh, I would say nine times out of 10 is not an, an, an exact number, um, but definitely there's a higher percentage of companies that fold after the first year than after the second year or the third year or the fourth year. So basically I mean, the longer you go, the less the chances are that you'll fold. If your primary goal is to just make money, you're more likely to fail. Yeah, I mean, that's not the goal. That's not a goal to have. I mean, I tell anybody, any any entrepreneur, because I've been through it as well, you need to give yourself three years before you start making money. Uh, the first year is just, you know, is, is discovering, you know, it's like a baby discovering his surroundings yeah. and how, how, how life works and how his, how his own organs work and so on. The second one is when you actually start putting a plan in because you understand how things work. And the third year is where you break even and you say, I've applied what I think is right. And you do the last, you know, you do the last few adjustments. And, and after the third year, you should start properly operate with good profit. Okay, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. We could have carried on talking for a good while there. Fadi Hindi is senior partner of Digit AI and founder of Algofi. Thank you so much for coming in, Fadi, and sharing your insights. Thank you for the invitation. If people want to come and find out more about Algofi, it's a new new company. Where's the best place to find you? Um, So uh, our website will probably be open to the public uh, soon. It's password protected right now. It's algofi.ai. Um, very soon you'll be able to go there and get a lot of information and uh, definitely look for uh, the products that will come out at the end of the first quarter. Okay, thank you so much for your time. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.